Davy Concepcion or Barry Larkin? George Foster or Adam Dunn? Jose Rio or Jim Maloney? How about this one? Joey Votto, Tony Perez, or maybe even Big Clue? Well, we're talking all-time greats, legends, and good old fan favorites on today's Locked on Reds. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily source for all things Cincinnati Reds. I'm Steve Offenbaker, and pitch hitting for Jeff Carr, who, much like the Cincinnati Reds in 2023, he came off the injured list just a little too soon. Uh, he got into a game, and he's right back on the injured list. So Tim's coming off the bench and helping us out here at Locked on Reds. Locked on Reds is where you are going to get uh, information about the Cincinnati Reds because we are all addicted to this team, and we have turned that addiction into information for you. Locked on Reds is part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day on today's podcast like i said up top there we are going to be talking all-time greats legends and nods to our own personal all-time favorites as we have a fun conversation about the history of this cincinnati reds baseball team and and players that have just kind of jumped out and grabbed us or done special things throughout their career tim thanks so much for being here and let's dive right into this and i'm going to do an easy one it's a softball coming your way we're going to start at the catcher position and when you look at the catcher position and the Cincinnati Reds the conversation begins and ends with one name one guy Benito one number. Santiago yes that's exactly where I was I going number going five the one and only Johnny Bench I mean you're talking about a guy that pretty much just redefined what it meant to be a catcher in Major League Baseball yeah um Johnny Bench is my dad's all-time favorite player when he was still here. So I have a lot of really fond memories of my dad. My dad almost like Paul Bunyan him with the stories he'd tell. <laughs> like, you know, like Johnny Bench would jump over the foul net, grow 10 rows into the, uh, into this, in the diamond club and grab the ball before it hit the ground, you know, kind of thing. I and mean, I always love that um, because I, I get that way with my favorite players too. So obviously, you know, like you said, inv- reinvented how to play the position. Um, I know a lot of people in the, you know, we'll try to say that Pudge was as good as him. I am not one of those people, though I do love Yvonne Rodriguez. Um, but yeah, Johnny Bench, that's that's where it all begins, where it all ends. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we don't have some other sure. fan favorite types at that position. So for me, you know, I wanted to be a catcher so bad, like my entire childhood through high school. Uh, it just didn't happen because as my little sideshow that I do my interviews on here tells you, I am a lefty out in the bullpen for coaches. They just don't like it. I think it's just garbage that they don't let left-handers catch, but that's the way it is. Uh, But I always wanted to be a catcher. So I became partial to catchers that batted lefty. So growing up, I was a huge fan of Jeff Reed, who was the catcher number two on the World Series team in 1990 and, and batted left-handed. Uh, also a big fan of Eddie Taubensey, who batted left-handed. Uh, love those guys because they were kind of living out my dream of, of being a lefty and getting to play the catcher position. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I joked about Benito Santiago earlier, but he was a guy I used to see all the time when my dad and I would go up to 
uh, walk over to across the bridge to go to Riverfront, um, then called Synergy, but I don't refer to it still. It's still, it's still Riverfront to me, damn it. Plus, it's the company I work for, so I can't I can't go back now. Um, <laughs> twenty third. So I'm sorry. No, I had the year wrong. Twenty fourteen Devin Mesoraco was so good, and I think it's overlooked because the injuries that hurt his career. But holy moly, man, he was awesome. So one of my favorites. And actually, we had him on the show not like a year or so ago. Oh, that'd be that'd be great to get to talk to him. I, you know, I think I find it interesting getting to talk to guys, whether they're current players or former players, and just mm-hmm. the perspective they give about snapshots in time of Major League Baseball. And to hear somebody that played in the 80s versus to hear somebody that played in the 90s or the 2000s or the 2010s, and just hear the differences in the way they talk about things and how the game is. And catchers Absolutely. are just super smart about the game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's like a lot of really fun conversation. Devin was great because uh, he touched on everything from his all-star year to uh, his ejection when he was gotten a huge argument with the umpire. Um, he was great. He talked about a lot about when he got traded to the Mets. So he's, yeah, he's definitely one of my favorites. And you mentioned Eddie Thompson earlier, man, the 99 Reds are gods to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was obviously the catcher on that team and he could, he had some power. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I definitely am a big Eddie Tomlinson guy, so I'm glad you brought him up. Well, let's move down, and we're not going to go around in order just because I want to mix it up a bit. I want to go to third base next, and mm-hmm. I want to get your take on uh, how you want to answer this question. Uh, all-time great, legend, fan favorite. I will go fan favorite mm-hmm. um, because this is kind of speaking of my youth, where I've referenced my father's youth quite a bit. I was a big fan of Aaron Boone. And the day he was traded to the Yankees in the trade deadline after he made his first All-Star game in 03, I was, as like a 14-year-old kid, heartbroken. I absolutely loved Darren. Um, He could do no wrong. I was at the game when he hit the first walk-off of Great American Ball. Uh, No. Yeah, it was him. Because him and Kearns had homers in the same game. I was at that game where they had the first walk-off of GABP history. Uh, So I was a big Boone guy. I'm going to give a couple answers here and then you can dive in with somebody else if you want to, but I'm going to start with all time. Great. And it starts and ends with Frank Robinson for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, some people will just consider him an outfielder, some people an infielder. Um, so I'm sticking him on the infield and I'm, I'm going with him there. Uh, I don't really need to sing his praises very much. Uh, what he did just, he had basically two full careers. He had the Cincinnati Reds career and then had another full career over in, in Baltimore after the trade, uh, when Absolutely. he was old, an old 30 in the worst trade in Cincinnati Reds history, as far as I'm concerned. So there's that we won't go down that road. That's a, that's a, for another episode. Uh, but for, for fan favorite for me, and maybe this falls under Reds legend as well, but Chris Sabo and those goggles, yeah, you know, oh, for sure. 1988 rookie of the year all-star game is in riverfront stadium in cincinnati chris sabo makes the team doesn't get in except a pinch run and i'm never going to forgive certain managers for that but that's just the way that it is but he brought so much you know his quirkiness and his goofiness and his you know i mean you didn't look at chris sabo and and think athlete right but there there he was and you know he was a big integral part of that world series team in 1990 and just a lot of fun to watch with all his goofy mannerisms and and the way he went about his business yeah i love sabo i met him uh was it 2010 around the red hall fame induction ceremony they were doing the big thing um at at the hall of fame at the the reds hall 
and it was like a big walk around. So I met him. I met Leo Cardenas. I met George Foster and Chris Saba was hilarious. Just like absolutely funny. Um, I think people seem to forget, and I'm so glad you brought him up, Steve, uh, because I don't think people remember that it was I that got Andy Sabo to wear the goggles during the five-game win streak in 2022. Right. I was the one that asked the question that blew up and made it was popular. So you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> I forgot about that. I'm kidding. I'm not gonna t- I did ask her, but I'm not sure I take credit for it. Shout out to Reds Hall for no, no, have office. your credit. I remember that well. You are the reason that happened, I think. Uh, it may have eventually happened somewhere along the way anyway, but you know, let it be known. Tim Daniel facilitated getting that ball <laughs> rolling. Let's let's go to another gimme. This next one is clearly a gimme. I can't imagine you have any other answer for this at second base than Joe Morgan. I, I mean, just two-time National League MVP, basically the 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 driver of the big red machine. Things changed when he came to Cincinnati. Uh, all-time great. That's the category he goes in. I, I can't imagine there's another answer to this question. Absolutely not. Um, I say all the time, and when I, uh, and I'll explain, I say that Joe Morgan is my baseball cream of Dolce Bar. And what I mean by that is when I am when I'm like flipping around, I go to like the NBA classic and there's an old Laker game on, I stop it because I have to see what Cream of Dolce Bar did in that game. It could be like February 2nd, 1980, the Lakers versus the Spurs. And I'm like, Cream of 30? Okay, awesome. I'm watching it. When I go and I find those like classic red clips, their Hall of Fame of their World Series years or the machine, I am enamored by everything Joe Morgan's doing. He was, he's my favorite player of that era. He's my favorite, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, So he is the guy that, you know, and you mentioned, you know, back-to-back MVPs during their back-to-back World Series championship seasons. Um, You could, you're going to have a hard argument to say someone against Joe Morgan. Yeah. And, and, you know, here's the thing. Neither one of us saw him play live, right? But I bet you that both of us could copy his batting stance. If we were asked to the flap, everyone knows. I mean, that's, that's to me what he's an enduring legend just in that, because those kind of things live on, uh, even though, you know, he's left us in this world and none of us got to see him play, but we can do that. And we know that about him because he was just that great that we've all taken the time to watch a little bit of what he did when he was a player. Yeah. And I actually, that same hall of fame induction ceremony I spoke about earlier when they were doing that meet and greet, he walked by me. I didn't get a chance to have like a full conversation with him. I was like, Hey, Mr. Morgan. He goes, what's up, man. How you doing? But he had security, of course, pulling in the opposite direction. I was like, Joe Morgan said hello to me. All right. <laughs> All right. Listen, uh, there's a couple more positions on the infield that we're going to dig into. And both of them are going to cause the comments section to blow up. Yep. You can bet <laughs> there is going to be an interesting back and forth. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. But if you want to bet on that, there's a couple other things that you can bet on. And if you want to place a bet on anything at all, head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on right now. We want to shout out FanDuel for being one of the sponsors of today's podcast. They uh, are the number one sports book in America, and we're happy to have them sponsoring this show. Uh, right now, if you're a new customer to FanDuel, you can get $150 in bonus bets back with a winning $5 money line bet. That's right. Throw down five bucks, take it on the money line, 
get your pick correct, and they're going to give you $150 back in bonus bets to play with. If you've been thinking about join, joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. You can play the spreads, player props, over-unders. You know Jeff and his over-unders. That's the section that he lives in, and so much more. You can also combine prop bets on a single game into a single-game parlay, which is even more fun. Big payouts. Uh, you throw a couple guys together on a on a NFL Sunday I generally always put Joe Burrow down for two touchdowns and pick a couple receivers to have a touchdown apiece it's a no-brainer I've won that one a bunch you can build your parlays that way too over at FanDuel uh, coming up this Sunday night the Bengals host the Bills I'm gonna be there I'm heading into town specifically for that game with my cousins I can't wait and the line is a little interesting I haven't checked to see if it's moved yet but it will move the Bengals were just a one and a half point favorite. If that's still the line when you're hearing this, go over there and bet on it right now because that is almost a gimme. They're also negative 126 on the money line. Uh, that is a little bit better, but I would take those points. I would give up the one and a half points against the Buffalo Bills. So head over to FanDuel right now, fanduel.com slash locked on to get in the action on this NFL season. And they will give you $150 back in bonus bets with your $5 money line wager and win. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Reds your first listen every day. Every day is coming up tomorrow on Locked on Reds. I promise we are going to finally do the th final third of our season breakdown as long as Jeff can talk. If he can't talk, I don't know. It might be Tim. It might be me solo. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, this injury thing with Jeff, you know, it's like the Reds. It's really like the Reds. He, he, you know, he loves this team so much that he's acting just like the players. He's, he's lied to the doctors, you know, his wife being one of them, and, and came off that injured list, got back in the game, and promptly re-injured the vocal cords right back onto the the injured list i clearly need to buy him a jonathan india jersey but we're not going to go down that road today so let's <laughs> let's go ahead and round out the rest of this infield before we jump into the outfield there tim because i left the last two positions on purpose because there are a lot of answers to one of the positions and a heated argument to be had for the other one so let's go with the heated argument because we're going to talk about the shortstop position. And if you are a person of a certain age that was anywhere near the city of Cincinnati during a 1970s run known as the Big Red Machine, you are going to jump up and down on your hill until you die that Davy Concepcion is the greatest shortstop to ever play the game in Cincinnati. Uh, if you're in my age bracket, you know, somewhere in your 40s, you're going to tell everyone who will listen to you that Barry Larkin kind of reinvented the position a little bit, was overlooked because of some dude in St. Louis that could do backflips, and that's all that he could do, and kind of played better than Davy Concepcion. And, by the way, is a Hall of Famer, uh, both Reds Hall of Fame and National Baseball Hall of Fame. So I would love to know, Tim, where do you come down on this? I'm definitely a Larkin guy, um, but I do think that Davy Concepcion should be in Cooperstown. Um, I, that's interesting. I do a thousand percent believe he should. Uh, you talk about people who reinvented the, the position. He was the guy that figured on the turf, you could throw a bounce past the first base. Uh, so <laughs> I am team Davey all the way, but in this circumstance, yeah, I mean, Barry Larkin was the shortstop of my childhood. Uh, the first year I really fell in love with baseball was his MVP season. 
Um, I was enamored by the 30-30 season. I, you know, back in the day when we had newspapers, people, I would check the newspaper when I couldn't watch games at six years old to make sure that he got done what to see what he did to see if he got a homer or a stolen base that yet that day before uh when i could watch i love, I love that you're confirming right now that we were all dorks when we were kids we're listening we're to the radio dorks. we're reading box scores in the newspaper yeah you and me both yeah um this is back when fantasy leagues were national league or american league there was no major league of fantasy sports teams um so yeah larkin is obviously my guy from that because of that era um i had plenty of barry larkin memorabilia uh so I have to go Barry Larkin in this one. And plus like his brother Byron's a buddy of mine. So, you know, for me, it's Barry as well. Again, that's like, you know, he was the captain. He had the C on his chest uh, at a time when I was young and, and, you know, loving the game and the Reds go on this world series run. And, and he was really kind of the heart and soul of that team, you know, him and Eric Davis, but those two guys were, were really the guys. And, yeah. you know, it was, it was great for me. I finally got to spend some time talking with Barry. Um, shout out to my guys, Chris Welsh and, and John Sadak, um, you know, got me into the booth one evening to, to hang out. And it was one of the, one of the nights it was at home. So Barry was there and, you know, to, to Barry's credit, he, you know, he didn't have to, but he spent some time talking to me and autographed a ball for me. And we talked about Hawaii and I had just this great interaction and I don't, I don't fanboy very much and I don't right. get, I don't get geeked out. I've, I, I've met enough athletes and famous people and conducted enough interviews that I pretty much hold it together most of the times. And, and I couldn't do it. I just finally had to say, look, I'm going to fanboy for two minutes. Can you give me that? And he's like, sure. And I'm like, boom, hit him with, I loved you so much. And you this and that and growing up and all the things. And then I, I got it out of my system. But Barry Larkin for me, all time greatest shortstop in Reds history. Can I tell my, do we have time for me to tell my sure, story? Go for it. Okay. Go, go crazy. So, if you remember my 20, so, you know, well, there was the first Sunday night baseball game at GABP was July 24th, 2011. They played the Braves. It was my 22nd birthday. Um, I have a 1990 style Barry Larkin pullover Jersey. And so at this time, Barry's working for ESPN and Sunday night baseball had always set up right outside the stadium. So here Crossley Terrace would be the circumstance. Um, this is before all the statues were up, obviously they're on the, on the terrace level. Um, and, I like go up there. I'm like, Oh, this is cool. You know, we don't have this experience. So and I hold my Larkin Jersey up and I guess he saw it because he pulled, he grabs his he points, his producer to go to me. And there's another guy holding a Jersey too. And they go, Hey, uh, Barry wants to know if you want him to sign that for you. And so now it's framed in my basement. That is awesome. See Barry Larkin. Cincinnati hero and favorite of the fans. I, I, I truly do love it. Is there an honorable mention? Is there a fan favorite guy besides those two that you want to mention there? Those are kind of my guys. Those are my two go-to yeah, guys. Yeah, I was just trying to think about that. Um, you know, shout out Felipe Lopez, but I don't know if he makes the list by any means. Uh, he was no, an all-star. We're not, we're not, we're not going to lament the, the, the honors of Zach Cozart. We're not doing that today. So No, no shout out <laughs> the donkey thing. That was amazing. But No, true that. True that. All right. We put it off to the end of the infield. Here we go. First base. Uh, for me, this is a no-brainer, and I get a lot of pushback, especially from you know those same people that want to you know that are. If you're Team Davy Concepcion versus Barry Larkin, you are probably Team Tony Perez versus Joey Votto. But it's a no-brainer for me. Joey Votto is probably uh, the top two, top three, all-time greatest Reds at any position to ever play the game. Same. Yeah, he's absolutely. I would say that he definitely took on the role of my all-time favorite Reds player. Um, 
And that's saying something considering my favorite all-time baseball player is Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, so it's he's just been consistent, you know, my whole adulthood. Um, I got to meet him two or three times, and obviously now uh, being really good friends with good buddy Carl with uh, Carlos, who is really good friends with Joey, and kind of you know your friend of a friend of Joey Votto sounds really really neat, right? right? You know, so uh, just the best, and I loved. I love hearing him talk about baseball, uh, whether it's, you know, when he's like, I've been struggling. So I read Ted Williams book, or this is why I changed my stance from this to this, to this. This is why I choke up in this circumstance with the bat. Um, and he's also probably had the, you know, 2012, I fully believe he doesn't get injured. He wants another MVP. And then the Stanton MVP was for sure his, and it was crap that he didn't get it. I don't know if you recall, you're talking about our good buddy, Carlos. He was on uh, about a week ago. Yeah, that uh, was great. Him here. Uh, but uh, you bringing him up reminds me of, I don't know if you recall, but I tweeted out when Kevin Newman was released, this picture of David Bell when he was looking at Joey Votto giving his post-game interview uh, after his final mm-hmm. home appearance at Great American Ballpark. I tweeted that picture out with the caption, uh, David Bell looking at Kevin Newman's highlights one last time. <laughs> And I got a text from Carlos that said, Joey said to tell you that was hilarious. So <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the clubs. So I get it's a good feeling. Friend. Yeah. It's a good friend feeling. of a friend for sure. You know, for me, I, I get the arguments for Tony Perez. For Look, sure. I, I, I won the I world series twice. I don't yeah. discount what he meant to that big red machine team. Uh, but you know, we're not, we're not reviewing, you know, we're not giving out the heart award. We're not giving our, you know, did Tony was Tony Perez an RBI guy. Sure, but when you have a bunch of Hall of Famers playing in front of you for almost a decade, you're going to rack up some statistics. And and that's not to take away. I mean, Tony had to hit the ball, and he right. did. And he did it well, and he did it for a long time. But when you look at the numbers, and you look at the pitchers that they had to be faced, and you look at the eras that they played in, it was harder for Joey. Joey did it consistently for a long time. And the all-time lists bear it out that at the end of the day, as a red, Joey was better than Tony. And I, and I know that I can, I can feel the heat coming I off. Know, the I'm like, oh God. Right can you feel it? It's an inferno. I can feel it. I want to hear from everyone listening. Uh, tell me why I'm right. Tell me why I'm wrong. And on these infielders, uh, tell us if you've got somebody different or if you think we miss somebody or just oh. let us know who your fan favorite is. Because in this first base argument, if we're talking fan favorites, you can't have this conversation without talking about the mayor, Sean Casey. Yeah, Sean Casey absolutely is going to be in the conversation. Um, I don't know if Hal Morris will be in the convo, but I do think he's very underrated for what mm-hmm. he did with the with the franchise. Also, mm-hmm. the fact that every time they traded him, he somehow came back. Um, yeah, he wanted to be in Cincinnati. He was one of those guys. He's like the bread maker in old school that like Will Ferrell's character she keeps trying to give mm-hmm. away and somehow mm-hmm. always ends up back in his hands. Um, yep. So, yeah, that was Hal Morris. Um, Casey, for sure. You know, and big clue if you want to go far oh, back. Oh, yeah, I mean, for there's, sure. There's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent at that position, but you know, you know, I with Joey's. What about Stephen Larkin? Do we mention that? Oh, that, that well, you know, he's part of Red's history, right? In baseball mm-hmm. history, because two sets of brothers on the infield at the same time: Stephen Larkin, Barry Larkin, Brett Boone, Aaron Boone. First time, only time, I think. Yep, only time. Maybe only time that that's ever happened. So uh, it was definitely. Uh, you know, he, he, he's, you know, honor, not honorable mention, but he's part of Red's history. So there you go. 
All right, before we jump out of this segment, uh, I want to get into the outfield, and we may have to roll this over in just a second to the third segment just a little bit, Tim. But what I want to do, rather than go left field, center field, right field, I I just want to kind of talk about outfield in general because Mm -hmm. looking at the Reds' all-time list and looking at homers, looking at, you know, some of the offensive counting stats, you know, I landed on two different guys. If we want to talk about the best outfielder, in Reds history. Now, I, I know you have this love for the junior Griffey with his hat backwards, and I see you oh, yeah. wearing your tribute to him right now. If Every you're day. on YouTube, you see Tim's got his hat backwards. But for me, it come it came down to two names, and that was George Foster or Adam Dunn, just from a you know power prowess, you know perspective. Do do you have it different? Is it somebody else all time greatest outfielder Reds history? No, I think it's definitely those are two the two guys. And I think we talked about Hal Morris earlier, just how underappreciated he is. I think Adam Dunn and Big Picture is super underappreciated because everyone calls out the fact that, oh, well, he strikes out all the time. Mm-hmm. And don't be wrong. He struck out a lot. But he also gave you 40 bombs, 100 ribeyes, and also had an on-base percentage above 400 just about every year. Uh, he was the man. Um, so I don't think there's an issue that George Foster, obviously franchise all-time home run leader for single seasons, um, maybe has a case if he, you know, if he continues to play with the Reds organization, um, not to mention was a part of the 85 Mets, one of the coolest baseball teams of all time, even if it was like for 14 games, but, uh, yeah, those are definitely the two guys, right? I mean, I don't think you can really go away from that. And there's great outfielders like Sage Geronimo was obviously incredible mm-hmm. as a fielder. But we're not sitting here talking about the year he hit 330 and had 22 home runs. Now, are we? No, we're not. You know, Adam Dunn for the Reds, 270 home runs uh, during his time in Cincinnati. George Foster, 244 home runs. You know, to put that in perspective, there's only four guys ahead of Adam Dunn on the Reds' all-time home run list. Um, I think you're right. He doesn't get the love that he deserves. I think some of that can be attributed back to... Uh, the on-air narratives no. that him during uh, listen i'm not going to i'm not going to bash any broadcasters but we know this has happened with a player or two and and the more 10 closer to current time that we got it got worse but i i think that's part of it but but for me um i i would i think adam dunn edges out george foster on my list of the I all-time agree. greatest and then for fan favorites i i'm i'm assuming you're going to go with junior griffey he's definitely on there um, 2000 when he straight to the Reds, there was just no tearing the city down that day. The vibe, the excitement, the uh, you know, the joy. Uh, people waiting outside Lunkin Airport to see when his plane's gonna land or if they can even get a sight of him. Um, just like the atmosphere and the you know what he brought to Riverfront those couple of years he was there before they moved to moved to GABP. Um, seeing him wear his dad's number, it was just un- unreal. And for me, um. I remember so well. So I lived in, I lived in Bellevue and uh, my elementary school is right on the corner from my house. So my gym teacher was like, Hey, just see the Reds are trading for Griffey. And I was like 10 years old. So I'm like, wait, what? And I remember so well, I ran home, got inside my house, turned on the TV to sports center. And this was back in the day where like the graphics was in the top right corner of the person. And they just showed Griffey with a Reds hat on. And I could not believe it. I, was so excited. I told my mom, as soon as the jersey's on the shelves, I got to get one. Um, so it may not have been the most, the greatest tenure here. Um, but I also hate when people try to say he doesn't belong in the Red Hall of Fame. I think that's really silly uh, because he did hit, what, 
200 and let's see, came in with 398, left with 610. I think he had 20 more homers after he left the Reds between the White Sox and the Mariners. So does that matter? Um, I don't have the top of my head. He hit 210 home runs as a member of the Cincinnati Reds. Thank you, Steven. Thank you. So he's uh, number nine, number nine on the Reds all time list. Right. Yeah. And he played for crappy teams. Like, Oh, a lot so of crappies, right? So there you go. So I'm going to give you my honorable mention, and we are going to make a mound visit, and we're going to do both of those things right after this. You can follow us in between episodes on social media and join our Discord community. If you want to join us over on Discord where we're talking baseball, we're talking off-topic things. We've got a Bengals channel. There's lots of great conversation over there on our Discord server. Lots of great folks uh, joining in the conversation. If you want to join in, there is a link in today's uh, show description. Just click that link and join us over there today. You can also follow us on the social media, uh, on X, whatever we're calling that thing these days. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker with two F's. Jeff's not here today, but you can follow him at Jeff with three F's. Jeff Carr at Jeff Carr. Jeff with three F's. And look, Tim's got one too. It's at Tim Daniel 518. Make sure you follow us on all those places because we love talking baseball with you. All right. Uh, I knew this was going to be a fun conversation that ran long and here we are running out of time, but I want to get into uh, my honorable mention for outfield is always going to be Eric Davis, Eric, the red. When I think number 44, uh, it's going to be Eric Davis, no matter what kind of career Ellie De La Cruz has, no matter what the argument is for Adam Dunn as an all time great outfielder for the reds. Uh, if you tell me Cincinnati reds, number 44, my first answer will always be Eric Davis. And there you go. There it is. Davis number 44 for those watching on the YouTube. He's my honorable mention. I think that if uh, his career had gone just a little differently, if he could have been just a little bit more healthy for a little bit more period of time, uh, he would be listed among the all-time great outfielders, not just for the Reds, but in baseball. Uh, I think what he did between, I think, the 87 and 88 season, uh, if you combine it for a full season is some of the best numbers ever put up by an outfielder in oh, yeah. Cincinnati. So, so, so for me, it's a no brainer. That's, that's my honorable mention. Well, you talked about, we mentioned Joe Morgan. We mentioned Ken Griffey jr. The Eric Davis batting stance is another one of those. It's very, mm -hmm. just like very nostalgic, right very memorable. The, yeah. The, the bat wiggle. <laughs> and, and then you talk about what he could have done throughout his career. We got glimpses of it that one year in Baltimore before he got diagnosed with cancer and how awesome mm -hmm. he was that year for the Orioles. Um, so it does break my heart that there was a short tenure in his career. He wore a St. Louis Cardinals Jersey, um, but I will not ever acknowledge it. Right. So let's talk about pitching for just a second before we get out of here. Cause I struggled with this one a little bit, actually, Tim, because when you think about all time greats, as far as pitchers go for the reds, is there, is there anybody that really just that you could put as an all time great that pitched for this, that pitched a majority, let's call it a majority of their career for the Cincinnati reds. Well, you know, the reds have never drafted a hall of fame pitcher. Yeah. That's the craziest statistic of all time for a franchise that's a hundred and the oldest and the oldest team in yeah, baseball. It's crazy. Um no, I mean there's guys who's probably you can make the case they've made stops here. They mm -hmm. maybe have an argument, but I don't think there's necessarily an all-time great. Um, I mean, we're gonna talk about guys we absolutely loved as Reds who are Reds Hall of Famers, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, no the Reds have one guy who's won a Cy Young in their organization. Uh, let's not, let's not even, yeah, anyway. we're not going to mention he, he who must not be named. 
for all my <laughs> Harry Potter folks. Exactly. Exactly. Um, exactly. Listen, so I, I looked down this list and, you know, if you look at the Reds all time wins among pitchers and, you know, that's a stat we pretty much have disregarded in yep. modern baseball, but historically it's useful. And, and looking at the Reds all time list, you have to get to number seven before you come to a guy that was born, you know, or played uh, after 1930, basically. So, you know, I kind of started there as the benchmark and that's Jim Maloney. I think his, his, win total for the reds is 134 and I, and i mean modern baseball that's the reds all-time win total because I, I like i said you clearly can't count those others right. from before uh, immediately immediately behind him uh, and the name that comes to mind is joe nuxall and and then uh, jose rio was another guy that kind of jumped out to me as as a name for inclusion on this uh, i think if we're doing all-time fan favorite slash reds legend you go with nuxy and maloney rio and and then maybe more modern era modern times now maybe there's a, a conversation to be had for bronson arroyo but arroyo is a good one um i was going to mention johnny cueto my favorite reds pitcher of all time um just was nasty and so good for good teams at that um aaron harang another guy i think is super underrated for yeah. how good he was here uh, because a lot of people just remember those like late 2000s teams mm -hmm. um I'm, yeah, yeah late 2000s early 2010 teams when he was broken down but was awesome when this team was really bad and was a steal and a trade with the oakland a's <laughs> Um, so I'll, I'll link Cueto for the sake of, I think that you just, what he was able to do year in and year out for the team when they were a talented competitive baseball team. Um, but I don't have an issue whatsoever with any of the other guys. And I think I'll throw Johnny Vandermeer and his back-to-back -back no hitters and 116 wins into that mix also as, you know, a Reds legend because of the back-to-back -back no hitters. I mean, other sure. than that, you know, people probably wouldn't really remember him all that much, but you know, you toss two no-nos in a row. I'm going to mention you. Uh, and before we get out of here, let's talk about bullpen guys. I don't think there's been any all-time great exceptional closers. There's no Mariano Rivera's that have, have right. played for this team, but there've been some fun guys. Uh, for me, just Rob Dibble being the head case that he was and getting to watch him pitch and never know if he's going to chuck a ball at you. I saw him in, I was at a game where, uh, how Morris hit a home run and Glenn Braggs came up next and the pitcher hit Glenn Braggs and there wasn't really going to be an issue, but Rob Dibble comes flying out of the bullpen at Riverfront stadium and leg drops the pitcher on the mound. Like, you know, you never knew what you were going to get. And then the videos of him, you know, in a wrestling match with Lou Pinella in the dugout, <laughs> I mean, in the, in the clubhouse and those kind of things, right? Rob Dibble and that nasty boys bullpen, probably my favorite bullpen, my favorite group of pitchers in my time as a Reds fan. Very good. I'm going to roll with Chapman. Um, it was a show. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were the La Rosa's pizza pizza uh, strikeout counter, and you went into ninth inning with 10 strikeouts, you knew you were leaving with pizza. You knew you were leaving with a coupon. Uh, but just that energy when he would come into a game, especially that 2012 season when he didn't give up a run till July. I think it was, it was late June, early July, something crazy like that. And what it was like when the when the bullpen door would swing open, you'd hear the rage against the machine, and he would have that stop, like the, the kind of like full on pro wrestling, and then take off for the mound, and then just go there and just torch everybody. There was just nothing like it, and you know, should have been a starter. I still stand by should have been a starter, and was one of the Reds' best relievers yeah. of all time. All right, I can't wait. 
to read the comment sections on this video. I'm really looking forward to it. I want to hear from you all. I want to know about your uh, rankings of all-time greats and Reds legends and honorable mentions and fan favorites. And most especially, I'm looking forward to the uh, first base debate. But uh, we're going to put a pin in it right there. And that's going to wrap up this episode of Locked on Reds. Uh, I appreciate you, Tim, jumping in Always. and joining us. Um, shout out to you and the work you're doing over on the Riverfront channel. I am actually coming over for a guest spot on the 12th. Is that the day? The yeah, November we're we're 12th? kicking off for the Bengals-Bills game. Um, and then, yeah, the week after that, we're going to have Steven come hang out with us. Um, I don't know. We'll probably do something fun. All right. Well, if you're not following the Riverfront, shame on you. Get over there. Follow them. Make sure you're subscribed here, too. Uh, before I send you over there, make sure you click our subscribe buttons, notification bells. Uh, we want to have you here to listen to us every day because we love talking baseball with you. And that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Reds. Again, coming up tomorrow, uh, Jeff's voice willing, we will finally do the final third of the 2023 season discussing what it is that ultimately kept the Reds from making a postseason run. Until then, you can make sure that you are subscribed because we will keep you locked on Reds every single day.